Wow, we are so glad to be back here. We, we were a long ways away, you guys. It's like flights forever. <laughs> you go from Vancouver to Montreal, and it's like six hours all the way across the full distance of the Canadian continent, right? Like then from there to Paris, which is another eight hours. So anyway, uh, but when we got and then from there to Morocco, it's another three hours. We were in uh, Casablanca, which is this uh, kind of grimy port city that um, not very romantic, you know, just like construction happening everywhere, including right outside of our place where we were sleeping, trying to sleep. And, uh, and then um, it was cold. It was like 38 degrees, something like that. And there was no heating anywhere. And so we were meeting in this uh, garage that had been converted into a meeting room off this church in the center of the city that was like we were wearing our just our down jackets and and the people weren't used to that right all the people that came to our course were from sub-saharan africa which means they were south of the sahara desert which is like equator like really hot like places like congo and cameroon and you know ivory coast these really like tropical places and you know and we were working with refugees really like uh, migrants who had come a lot of them walking and on buses and paying smugglers to get them through the Sahara Desert and uh, it was a pretty motley you know like really suffering a group that had suffered a ton but just super serious like when they would worship there was this joy that was like uh, crazy I, I couldn't even um, see how it happened it would be like this joy would come on them and they'd just be like dancing around and playing their keyboards. And these, these people had an ability to sort of step into joy. And we were like, uh, one time we got this big discussion with them, like, how do you how do you guys get into that joy space? Like, we need that. And, uh, but uh, they were suffering. Like one lady could only come to one of our sessions. And we were, we were uh, talking and she was saying how she worked from 6 a.m. to midnight, six days a week. And she makes $240 a month. And that's how a lot of the women, they work for wealthy Moroccans as like maids. Imagine that, 6 a.m. to midnight, six days a week. And so she, she was just there for this one session where she was free. So it's like, wow, it's crazy. But we, uh, we were there working with, past, with people that had started churches and it's illegal to proselytize. Like we were walking down the street one day on a Friday and we saw thousands of men, thousands of men all lined up in lines in this huge park that just went forever. And they were all bowing down, getting their faces to the ground, you know, bowing to Mecca and doing their, their prayers for the Friday prayers. And it was like, wow, this is a this is very foreign, foreign place, right? And the house churches, they're doing it all illegally. And we went into those churches and they were all in these apartments that people would rent and they'd be, all the windows would be, you know, we'd be boarded up with plywood because no one, um, you know, they wanted to kind of keep it undercover. And so it was kind of a clandestine group, which was cool. I mean, we love, we love to work with those folks. But um, there's a story that I want to look at, which is, uh, which really uh, came to life. And it's uh, from Luke chapter eight. And uh, Jesus had just taken his disciples over to the other side of the lake which was like uh, just to find one guy who was like had these like legion of demons, like this demoniac who 
came raving, you know, coming, came up and bowed down and said, you know, you know, what do you have to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? And, you know, have you come to torture me or whatever? And, you know, Jesus ended up freeing the guy from all these demons. And then, uh, then the guy wanted to follow him. And Jesus said, no, I'm sending you to the 10 cities. So he sends this guy to be like one of the first apostles. And um, that was cool. And then he, Jesus comes back across to the other side. And that's right when another person comes and bows down to him. So check it out. This is uh, verse 40. And Jesus returned and people welcomed him. for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to beg him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. Um, but as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. Okay, so Jesus um, comes to the other side, and now it's not a demoniac who's bowing down. Now it's a high-level uh, religious figure, you know, like leader, synagogue official. And he has a name, Jairus, right? Um, the other guy's name was Legion, but that was like the name the demons had given him, right? And now it's Jairus, and Jairus gets down on his knees, bows down to Jesus, like does a very public religious thing, right? Like, I mean, have, you, have any of you have ever done that, done a public religious act like that where you actually bow down? I mean, you know, you, you wouldn't bow down to somebody probably, right? But imagine that. Like, this is like, the guy's desperate enough to do anything because he's got a daughter. Like, I know that if my daughter, Anna, if anything was going to happen to her, I would do anything, you know, to try to keep her from dying. I would follow my hands and knees from here down to, you know, Mexico. I'd do anything I had to do, right? I mean, like, I just can't even imagine the pain of, of thinking about some, one of my kids, you know, my only, my only daughter dying, right? And um, so anyway, this guy did the religious thing that he felt like he had to do. In a way, kind of like jail religion, right? Where you, you're desperate for God to do you a miracle. And so you're willing to do anything. Like maybe almost anything. Okay, so then Jesus takes off. And then we have this really interesting thing. A woman who had had a hemorrhage. In other words, like bleeding. Uh, for 12 years. Okay, Bleeding for 12 years. Imagine having your period for 12 years. Something like that, right? Uh, came. Uh, and could and she could be healed by anyone. Some some trans Mark's gospel says she spent everything she had on doctors without any results. Okay. Now, what's interesting is she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. Um, so she she does something kind of like illegal in a way, because uh, being bloody and everything. She was unclean, and so now, according to the religious rules of back then, you'd make someone unclean if you touched them, if you were a bleeding person. Okay, and so this lady kind of sneaks up on Jesus from behind, and she kind of like a shoplifter, you know, she 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 snatches or like a purse snatcher, you know, she she comes up behind, and she's. she's I imagine I, I'm imagining her thinking, I don't want to be seen by anybody, and so she sneaks around through the crowd. And she comes up and she touches Jesus. And without even knowing Jesus, without saying anything, immediately it says the hemorrhaging stopped, the bleeding stopped. So what does that tell us about God? That God would let someone steal a healing? It's all about belief. It's all about belief. Okay, so Jesus, uh, this woman didn't have to say, oh, um, I humbly confess before the whole 
community that I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. She didn't bow down. She didn't get down like Jairus on her, on her hands and knees uh, and bow and pray and, and beg or do anything religious, right? She wasn't doing anything religious. She wasn't worshiping or praying in tongues or doing anything religious, right? She was just sneaking from behind to steal like a thief, right? That's why I love that song we were singing, um, like, a, like a thief, you stole my heart, you know? Jesus talks about, or, or that guy, that singer. Anyway, so right away, she's completely uh, healed. And, um, and so then what happens? Um, so Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? So why would Jesus want to know that? You know, why wouldn't he just let it go since she was pretty shy? I mean, maybe, maybe really ashamed and not wanting to get busted. Like, why wouldn't Jesus just let it pass? Like, that's what I would have done. Probably I would have thought, well, that's cool. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put her on blast. I'm not going to put anyone on blast. I'm just going to let it, let it go. Right. Why do you think Jesus would say who touched me? You know, I, I think, I wonder whether it's because Jesus wants relationship. He doesn't want us just to get something from him. And of course, uh, and he wants, he wants to actually be in our lives. And he wants to be face-to-face -face with us. And he wants to know us. He, he doesn't want to uh, violate us through, you know, like shaming us by, by, by confronting us. Like, because he doesn't even confront the woman, right? Um, he says, who touched me? And um, who is the question? Who? Who are you that has a secret need that you're too ashamed, ashamed to bring it up uh, publicly to anyone? Like, think about all of us. We probably all have issues that we wouldn't want to bring, bring up publicly that are like almost like secret prayer requests, right? I know that I have secret prayer requests that I wouldn't really share very, with hardly anyone. Um, but like to think about that I could sneak up and actually have a contact with Jesus where my prayer request would be answered without me having to speak it out or like bring it out into the light or do anything. And then what happened, what's, what's cool about this is Jesus lets that happen. He's cool with that. He's cool with us having our secret prayer requests and bringing them to him and without even telling him, just touching him, you know, uh, without him even knowing that we've done it. But Jesus isn't completely cool with that because Jesus wants more. He wants us. He wants a relationship with us because he loves. He's in love loving God, and God is, uh, wants to be, like, have a, a connection, a direct connection with us, so that's why he says, who, who are you, touch me, who are you, so, um, and in the, in Mark's gospel, it says he looked around, so, like, he, he really wanted to, to see who it was, um, and um, while they were all denying it, Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you, like, hey, dude, it's like, Obviously, there's a lot of people touching you. Um, but Jesus said, someone, someone. So he really wants to know who that someone is. Not, he doesn't want that someone to remain anonymous, right? Jesus wants you and me to be like right there uh, before him in, in our fullness of who we are without any shame. And he wants to know who the someone you is, right? Isn't that cool to think about that? Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. Okay, he felt the power go out. So he, he wasn't holding back his power. He was, a, he, was a, he was a loving enough person that anyone could get could steal power from him. It's almost like, just steal all the power you want from me, okay? 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cash register that's open and just come and, and, and reach in and grab whatever you need. Could you imagine that? That's, that's what our God is like. He's an open cash register. Yeah. Is the power his energy when that you touched him? Was his energy? I think so. Some kind of energy, some kind of, I like to call it love. I like to call it the power of love, the Holy Spirit. So when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and she fell down before him. But it's interesting. Now she finally does fall down before him, but not to suck up to him to get a miracle. She's already got a miracle. Okay, so now this is a different kind of bowing, right? She falls down before him, kind of like Jairus had and like the demoniac had, but now it's after the fact. Um, and it says that she um, declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she touched him. Okay, so she brings it up and she put she put her story out there on uh, in the he had been immediately healed. Okay, pretty cool. Like I was immediately healed, and I didn't even um, I didn't even confess that Jesus was Lord. I didn't stop my drug habit. I didn't um, confess. I didn't do anything. I just stole a healing and I got away with it, um, kind of, right? And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So check out Jesus. He doesn't put her down. Instead, he lifts her up. He calls her daughter, okay? Um, so like he, um, he, he, we don't know whether that's from a mother perspective or a father perspective. Maybe Jesus is thinking he's more like a mother there, uh, you know, a mother figure who calls her daughter or a father figure, or a parent, right? But he says daughter, and uh, which is really lifting her up. He doesn't call her thief, doesn't call her sleazeball. You know, he doesn't, you know, doesn't put her down in any way. It's all completely positive. He says, daughter, your faith, not my power, made you well. Like what Jason was saying, it's her faith. So he lifted her up and gave her the full credit in front of the whole public for the miracle. It's your faith made you well. Go in peace. So you guys, on our way to Casablanca, we had a crazy experience. We um, flew into Paris and spent two days there, two and a half days, because we wanted to get over some jet lag and see some friends. And when we got there, our friend, uh, this guy named Gilles Bocomo, this pastor, he said, oh, uh, come, we're having this course on freedom from demonic powers, you know, deliverance ministry. And we've got 450 people and it starts tonight. And um, you guys come. And uh, so I came and then, Gracie and I came and we sat at the back and then he had us stand up and said oh I just want to introduce Bob and Gracie they're some of our speakers for tomorrow <laughs> and we're just like we're part of the team yeah so then I'm like chill and so then I had to speak the next day yeah. and it's like this huge old-fashioned church made in like 1700s big place and it's got 200 people in it and then it's got satellite places in other cities around France so there's 200 people there and 250 people in these other satellite places live. And I have to speak in French, right? And I'm jet lagged. So I'm supposed to speak on healing. And I was talking about um, how Jesus heals people who aren't even um, deserving of it. You know, um, like, like we had an example of that where, you know, where one of our beloved community members here back before Christmas was pretty much high on, you know, the drug of choice around here. And um, had a hepatitis C problem, but we prayed for him. We all gathered around him and prayed for him. And then when he had to go to the hospital for an incident like three weeks ago, he discovered that the hepatitis C was gone. 
Amen. So I was telling stories about how people come to faith around our ministry and in the jails when Jesus heals them, when often they're not even actively pursuing God, right? And and then I gave the story of the woman who was in the had the blood flows sneaking up behind Jesus and healing and healing. And I I told a few more stories and you know and did my you know my presentation. Then I was done and a lady comes up after during the break, a black woman, French woman, crying. Okay, she's like maybe thirty, and she says, uh, "I came. A friend brought me here, and um, he." She said that when you were talking about the woman who was bleeding, who came behind Jesus and touched him, you looked right at me. And I'm thinking, um, I don't remember looking at anybody. I was just like looking at this big crowd of all these French people. Thinking, ay, 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 you know, it's just scary. <laughs> anyway, so I said, oh, okay, well, what, what's wrong? And she says, well, I've had, I have a blood flow all the time. I have a pain and I have endometriosis and it's, it's grave. And they want to take out all my, you know, uh, my internal like female parts. And I want to have children and I haven't been able to have kids. And, uh, and I said, oh, well, I saw Gracie sitting in a, couch out right across the way and I said okay let's go and um, I put her right between on the side of Gracie and I got on the other side of her and I had her put her hands you know where she needed the prayer and we we both prayed over her and we felt God's presence really strong this powerful presence of love it just that's what it felt like power it was powerful like feeling of love we just blessed her body we filled with the Holy Spirit we commanded the bleeding to stop and the pain to stop and then um then we asked her, well, how are you feeling? She says, I don't feel any more pain. Mm -hmm. And then I and then I don't know why I thought to ask her. Um, because in order to come to this conference, you had to be a Christian. You had, you had to have a, a letter from your pastor authorizing you because it was for leaders. And so uh, but, but I thought for some reason you're know, supposed to ask her if she if she's a believer in Jesus, if she knows Jesus. So I, I finally did. I said, Well, do you believe in Jesus? Do you know Jesus? She goes, No. I don't. And she said, I've kind of thought maybe I'd want to do that, but I, I just haven't been ready. And I said, well, there's nothing you have to do to be ready. Like Jesus loves you just the way you are. Um, no one has to get ready to, to kind of come to Jesus. You can just be, be where you're at. Yeah. And he loves you just the way you are. And she was like, oh, and I said, so there's nothing that you need to do. Um, and um, if you want, I mean, like you could just, if you're drawn to him, I, don't, I said, I don't know if you are. She goes, well, yeah, I, I actually I actually am. And I said, well, you could, if you wanted, you know, just welcome him into your life um, and tell him you, you really are drawn to him and you like him. And um, I forget what I said, something like that. But I said, but look, no pressure. Because I didn't want her to feel like now she had to do us a favor since we prayed for her or something, right? And do the thing that we would have wanted her to do. So I, I, I said, no, 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 you don't have to feel any pressure. But if you want to, like, you can just pray. You can say, Jesus, I just want, I want to follow you. I want to surrender my life. She says, I want to say, I want to do this. I want to do this right now. So she prayed. It's just really beautiful prayer in French, you know, that's welcoming Jesus into her life. And then we prayed for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And she, we could feel this warmth and everything coming through. And we could feel it. It's like, she was like a little campfire. Yeah. Okay, and then when we finished, um, I connected her with this pastor woman, pastor friend from downtown Paris, and I said, here's this woman, you could go to her church if you want. So then we left, and we flew um, 
later that night or the next day to uh, Casablanca. And then the next next day, it was Monday, we get an email from the pastor saying, hey, that woman that you introduced me to, who you guys prayed for, she came and she testified at our church. And she said that uh, the night after you prayed, all the bleeding stopped and hasn't come back. And she told her whole story of, come, of receiving Jesus. So, wow, that was like pretty darn amazing. Like, like a modern day story of this whole thing. Because she did it basically illegally, right? She wasn't supposed to be at a meeting <laughs> gathering like that. She just kind of happened almost like the story in Luke chapter 8. And so that just made Gracie and I, like the hair stand straight up on our heads. And we're just like... And then we ended up sharing the story and there were tons of women that we were ministering to there who had really bad fibroid tumors and all kinds of problems. Wow. So we ended up seeing people, a lot of people getting healed from different things that they claim, you know, they felt like the pain left different parts of their bodies. And so it's pretty cool. But I just love how Jesus um, wants to know, um, he wants to know us, right? He doesn't want us to see him as just uh, someone who, uh, who wants to help them, us. He does want to help us, but he also wants us to have a relationship with him. And he wants to um, lift us up too. He doesn't want to just heal our physical bodies, but he wants to raise us up um, in our dignity. And, um, and so he wants to, like he wants us to come away free from shame, you know, free from guilt, free from all the stigmas that we would have because of our past Yes. And he wants to, you know, to, to really liberate us fully. And I believe that that's the Jesus we want to be preaching around here in Sketch Valley, right? Yes. yes. And yeah. So I was just thinking that the fact that Jesus asked her and she could have possibly privately because, you know, that would like shame on her if she touched him and not believe that this was coming in the United States. But the fact that she brought it up publicly means that. On everyone, just like that, actually, is not like and has a right to say that. Exactly. Like so, what's interesting is that he doesn't. Jesus said all he says is, "Who touched me?" And then when they say everyone's touching him, he says, "Somebody touched me." But he doesn't ask the woman to tell what had happened. She's the one that falls down at his feet and tells everything why she came. He didn't require it, right? And the question is, do you think she just did that, or do you think she did that to kind of change people's thoughts about deserving? Well, he completely, he didn't, he didn't say, look, you broke the law and you touched me and you made me unclean. He didn't, he didn't bring anything negative up about her, right? But, uh, but he was there. Uh, he must, I, I wonder whether he just made people feel secure enough to be able to share their lives because uh, there was no condemnation in him and so she was able to tell everything in front of him because she felt safe because uh, he didn't require it right he, he didn't he didn't interrogate her all he said was somebody touched me who touched me somebody touched me well, he radiated love so that would be safe and then look what he calls her daughter yeah okay and she didn't have anyone advocating for her right the the gyrus the dad of the girl he was advocating for his daughter, okay? But this woman had to advocate for herself. Like a lot of us, a lot of us with our, with our hidden, you know, pains and struggles and, and hidden sins or whatever, our afflictions, we, we, maybe we don't have anyone 
who advocates for us. We're the ones that have to just be the only, we're the only ones that advocate for ourselves. And maybe we're like orphans in a way, right? But Jesus wants us to know that we're a son or a daughter and um, we're beloved. So I, I just believe that God today wants us to bring anything that we have. Um, and we don't have to bring it publicly, right? We can bring it secretly. That's what the story says. And, and if there's testimonies that we have later about what God's done, we're free to bring them or not, right? But what's beautiful is that this woman got away with being healed without having to, uh, having to, be, without having to say anything or do anything prior to it except just sneak up on Jesus from behind. Isn't that cool? We got to make it easy for people, you guys. We got to make it easy for people to come to Jesus. Yeah. Yes. You know, you can sneak up behind him and touch him without even having a face-to-face -face and benefit right then and there. And then afterwards, um, you know, he's going to be looking for you too. <laughs> but it's not to hurt, not to punish you or to shame you, but to lift you up and to sing your praises, right? To make you the one that he gives the credit to for everything. So let's just let's just pray. I want to invite us to bring anything that we need to bring, just secretly, privately. Let's just bring it to Jesus. You know, the thing that comes to mind. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show us if there's something that is in our life that we that's kind of like this woman's uh, blood flow that is embarrassing and it's awkward and we wouldn't want anyone to know about. Maybe not even our doctor or anybody. But Lord, uh, we just bring this. Uh, whatever these things are to you, Lord. And we, we just thank you that um, you're available to us. You're not physically here in the flesh like before, but through the Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, I, just, I just thank you that we can reach out and touch you by faith. So I just want to invite you to reach out and touch Jesus by faith. And, uh, and it really requires faith when Jesus is invisible, right? So let's just reach out and touch Jesus and ask um, for that and just receive the power that comes from him into our bodies right now. Jesus, we touch you. We reach out and touch you. And we receive the, the, the power, the love, the energy. And we receive our healing. We welcome your, your healing. We thank you that you, you want to know us. And Lord, take away our shame so that we can... Um, we can let you approach us and, and know us face to face. Just pray that we would be a people that, that are growing to know you here at Tenor Web, that each of us would just uh, feel the trust. Just thank you. Thank you that you love us just the way we are and that you're able and willing to help us just the way we are. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to uh, have a clean UA. You don't have to comply. You know, we can just be who we are and come to you and touch you, um, you know, secretly. And, and that is something that um, is enough. Thank you, Lord. And just bless us, I pray, with your presence, your saving presence. In Jesus' name, amen.